Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Roundtable. This is episode number 39. I am your host, Kenny, and joining me for today's roundtable are my good friends, Joe, Tom, BJ, and Brian. Today's roundtable topic, our favorite alien or alien species. This was an extremely fun conversation. It went off in so many crazy different tangents. I'm not really going to say much about it. I just want to jump right into this fun roundtable about our favorite aliens. So let's go ahead and take a listen. All right, it's time for our roundtable. And joining me for today's discussion are my good friends, Brian. Hello. Joe. Greetings. Tom. Meepzorp. And PJ. <laughs> Hi. Welcome, and thank you guys for joining me. Today's topic is going to be aliens, not the movie, but alien species, our favorite, or I'm just going to do, this going to be a half hour discussion on just aliens in general. Love it. So, so let's go ahead and we're just going to jump right in. BJ, why don't you start us off? Tell us uh, some of your favorites. Oh, I'm going to probably out myself as a giant nerd at this point. Well, that's fine. We're all giant nerds here. Well, especially a giant Whovian, so I'm going to kind of throw out some Doctor Who villains, uh, the Daleks, cool. obviously, Cybermen, mm-hmm. the Weeping Angels are pretty creepy, the Otons, I think they're what, those are what they're called, the shop window dummies, ooh, jeez, those things mm. are creepy, <laughs> and uh, the Yeti, the Great Intelligence, I mean, the Ice Warriors, all right, so you're going all go. Doctor Who, <laughs> yeah, why do you think you enjoy Doctor Who, aliens? I feel like... The thing with Doctor Who is they just tend to make all of the most ordinary things seem like so creepy. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And that's and Doctor Who is as close as I get to horror, so. Gotcha. That's cool. All right, anybody else? How about Joe? Man, my favorite alien. Uh, it's This is going to be so typical, and I was like, oh, I don't want to be typical. I don't want to do like a Star Wars alien. I don't want Chewbacca or Yoda. Like, I want to I do a <laughs> yeah. thinker alien. Uh, and instead, I went with 1982's E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh, that's on my list as well. It's my uh, yep. it's my favorite one. And I know, Kenny, you said this could be a half hour. And then here comes verbal Joe with his stories. But <laughs> I, I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention, like, 1982, the second movie my family ever took me to see was E.T. They took me to see it a couple of times. And after seeing it, like, we ended up getting it on video soon after. Yeah. Um, my mother would put me to bed. And when I'd say, like, I love you, she would do like what E.T. does with Elliot, where she taps him on the chest. She would Aww. tap me on the chest and say, I'll be right here. Oh, fast, my God. Fast forward. Me, yeah, right. Well, <laughs> here we go. Fast forward to 2012. Uh, my mother had been battling cancer for a while. We thought she had beat it. And then it came back really aggressively. And it was Mother's Day of 2012. We were in the hospital and the doctor said she's not going to leave this bed. And so we just kind of had this celebration. And at one point while we were hanging out in the room, I looked at her and gave her a kiss on the forehead and told her I loved her. And she did the tap on the chest and said, oh, I'll God. be right here. And uh, and she ended up passing away like 1 a.m. the very next morning. She lived through Mother's Day. And then mm. so every time I watch E.T., there's a little extra something special there. So not to get too much feels here on the podcast. Oh, but like, my God. That's yeah. E.T. Wayward. Mm. Have a very special three, place. Three minutes in. And <laughs> wow. I'm tearing up already. This Going deep be. on three that Three minutes one. in. We got that's the feels shot. Yeesh. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's, 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 that, that, that makes it extremely special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, much better than my answer for E.T. <laughs> but... <laughs> There's no wrong answer for E.T. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Brian? What's I was going to say that Tom should go next because I don't know how to follow Joe up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no one, ever, no one ever wants to follow Joe. <laughs> so, so. so since I'm in the hot spot, I was, you know, Kenny, thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Of course. Uh, this yeah. is awesome. Love it. Um, when you said the topic is aliens, I was like, holy cow, we have multiverses of aliens. How can you narrow it down to either a single species or a single individual mm-hmm. and just like joe said you know chewbacca yoda they pop into your mind e- even superman and then you said hey let's let's stick away from the non-human so i was like wow how do you narrow this down and so when i think about aliens when i hear the word alien i think one of two genre either horror or the sentimental et type right. so mm-hmm. if i was going to 
to name my favorite single alien, I'm going to go with Joe on this and say that, you know, E.T., because they also brought so much life. You know, it's a it's a, a smart and intellectual is a society that came to us to, you know, peaceful. It's not our traditional let's attack and destroy the planet thing. Right. Um, it was it was like completely counter to all of the the horror that you get with, oh, my gosh, there's some sort of invasion or mm-hmm. we're on a foreign yeah. planet and everything's trying to kill us. So yeah. E.T. is the individual. But when it comes to the species, I think I'm going to lean towards, you know, H.R. Geiger's xenomorph in Alien. I mean, <laughs> he is nice. he defined an alien species that was just so different than what a lot of us were used yeah, to at the time. They're truly alien. Exactly. And and um, I mean, w- what I liked about that, both the species and then also the movies, and I'm not a fan of all of the movies, but each movie has its own ind- individual character where mm. you learn more about each of these aliens, you know, the hive mentality. Each one is an individual. And I think that that, like I said, in the genres, E.T. hits me with the feels, but the xenomorph hits me with that horror. <laughs> the fear, so yes. I, would, I would throw those two out as okay. probably my two favorites. Isn't right. it true? And correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. Didn't Ridley Scott insist that the cast not see the xenomorph costume? Uh, so that's the way I understood it as it was filmed in, gosh, in the original oh, Alien out there Man. on the Nostromo. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, he also <laughs> kept them pretty much in the dark about how the chest-bursting scene. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. So it was a very visceral reaction that you get from the, those actors besides um, besides who he burst from, who was right. much more informed. Way back in the day when I was young and, and uh, we only had about six channels on the television, <laughs> I remember seeing the, uh, I, I don't know if it was the sci-fi and horror award show, and it, it was on, you know, prime time, and they showed the scene, and I hadn't seen the movie yet. They showed that scene, Jess, <laughs> and oh wow, I don't even, you know, I'm a 10-year-old kid or whatever I was, talk about having nightmares. Oh that my God. <laughs> So, yeah. but yeah, so, the, so when I hear alien, I think one of two things, either a sentient, you know, benevolent, uh, species or something that we all have to fear. Yes. Stuff of nightmares. Yes. Great. Tom, how about your favorites? Well, right now? great answers all around so far. I got a buddy who is a incredible Doctor Who fan. He actually owns the TARDIS from the original, uh, wow. show wow. Uh, for, from one of the iterations. Um, mm. Yeah. His name is Paul Salamoff. He's a great guy, and he directed the movie Encounter, which is a really great science fiction movie. Mm. So I highly recommend checking out Encounter and know that that's made by an incredible, like, renowned, he's written about it, Doctor Who fan. Yes. And uh, I, I also had the desire, as I often do, to go counter the obvious uh, following Joe and Brian's instincts. But you know what I'm going to have to do here is I'm going to have to switch gears and go back to my obvious choice because E.T. was a big one for me and the alien, uh, the xenomorph from Alien and Aliens was actually what I was going to go with. But Brian and Joe have absolutely uh, nailed what's so special about those Mm -hmm. those aliens in my opinion. Um, I will add Julie and I, my sister... We host a podcast back through the basement, and we go nuts over ET. Uh, we had a lot of toys. We have uh, we found an ET stuffed animal in an early season. Oh, Coming nice. up, we've got uh, we found the ET like eating tray, like breakfast in bed sort of tray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that hasn't been yep. released yet. That's coming up in an episode soon, and um, we just we go nuts over it. You're you're absolutely right about its its power. Thank you, Joe for sharing that story. That was a beautiful, beautiful story. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shift gears and go into my favorite alien in the Star Trek canon. Mm, Okay. And that would be Spock. Nice. Nice. Um, Now, Vulcans in general or just Spock in general? Well, if we were to say what is your favorite alien race in Star Trek, I think I might have to go with the Borg. Mm, yeah, um, that's me. This is a very cool species that evolved, you know, over numerous shows and countless episodes. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how many episodes have been featuring have featured the Borg, but and the Borg Queen, such an incredible 
characterization by both actors who actors uh, who played mm-hmm. the queen. But if I had to boil it down to my single favorite alien in the entire canon, and that that would be Spock. My favorite is Leonard Nimoy's personification, but really everyone who's been handed the job has done a beautiful job, mm-hmm. including the actor who does the voice of Spock on Star Trek Shadows of Tyranny, on which I'm a, I play Dr. McCoy and Scotty. Our Spock does incredible Leonard Nimoy impression. There's just something about Leonard's characterization that is just so special and is going to endure for so, so long. Mm-hmm. That character was the writers paid such tribute to him, with the exception of Spock's brain. I'm going to just have to say that episode. <laughs> In my world, the, the Spock's brain doesn't really exist. This, it was just an acting <laughs> exercise. Everybody was kind of phoning it in that week. They just kind of played around. Hey, you know what would be funny? Let's do an episode where Spock loses his brain. That'd be great. Oh. It's like a big joke. but Except for Spock's brain. The, the writers really just took care of him. Uh, Leonard and Spock, mm-hmm. and I've read both I Am Not Spock and I Am Spock, where you kind of hear how this actor with a dream role has also had a struggle with the role and struggled to kind of find his place in the world when mm-hmm. Spock's place is so much more prominent. So from every point of view, from a writing point of view, from an acting point of view, from a longevity point of view, from a societal impact point of view, mm-hmm. and emotional. I mean, it's so incredible to me that a character defined largely by his logic just hits so many emotional tones, so many emotional heartstrings, mm-hmm. right up there with E.T. I mean, there is no way for me to watch the final moments of Wrath of Khan and not break down the same way I do when Elliot has to say goodbye. It's just... And, yeah. and we've talked about this a few times, Kenny. I don't think you and I have really answered the question, either on your podcast or on my own. And I don't know if Joe has even tackled this on his podcast, but what is it about these things? Is it when it hit us in our life that makes it resonate so? Is it the geek wiring the nerd wiring. What what is it? Yes. About these characters. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the answer is yes. I don't think it's yeah. I don't I think for us these things hit at such a special time, like you said. Yeah. Like there was a fearlessness in the writing. Yeah. Uh it, and and a magic. Like we were we were we were getting into movies and getting into TV when like they were breaking so many new grounds and like rules and yeah. just reestablishing things over and over and over again. And, uh, and it seemed like such a, a renaissance in not just film or TV, but just in storytelling in general. Yeah. And mm. so it, I think it spoke, it spoke to the artist, it spoke to the dreamers yeah. and that's what we have now. So yeah, to, to answer your question in the worst way possible, yes. <laughs> it's the way we're wired and it's when we hit it. I think it, yeah, it's, I was gonna say, it's, ev- it's everything. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the things. one thing about alien, the alien topic, you know, uh, extraterrestrials, if you will, mm-hmm. I think even outside of our community of geeks and nerds here, everybody actually projects their feelings into an alien. You mm-hmm. know, some mm-hmm. people are fearful. Some people have hatred. Some people are curious. Yeah. And I think everyone looks at aliens differently. And like you said, as we grow up, as we're maturing, as the industries are maturing, as the technologies are maturing, and we're learning more, I mean, it is just a, a, a huge explosion of possibilities. Um, when, when you were talking about Star Trek, I was thinking about the Gorn. You know, that yeah. that hit me at the time. I was like, holy cow, I never want to end up in an arena with one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you go through that. And then, you know, I talked about how alien, you know, I was at that age where horror, you know, I was terrified of that stuff. But then all, uh, you know, a few, I guess a couple years later, the predator, a different alien comes out and you're like, oh, this yeah. guy is actually pretty scary, but also pretty cool at the yeah. same time. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I think as we mature, as we grow as individuals, we also project and then see things that we want in the aliens that we embrace, whether it's our, mm-hmm. our Whovian villains or whether it's yeah. our uh, Star Trek or Star Wars. I mean, there's so many, so many yeah. aliens out there. You just look, yeah. you, you love all of them for different reasons. And just to yeah. kind of to kind of 
build on top of what Brian is saying. Like that's the beautiful thing about sci-fi and about aliens in general, because who who's met an alien? No one's met an alien. So what yes. we're able to do is we can make these aliens the most idealized version of what we should be like trying to reflect back. on like, who we should be and like the values. And that's kind of what's interesting about like ET, the iron giant or Spock, like, you know, Kirk says it at the end of wrath of Khan, of all the souls I've encountered in my travels, his was the most human. And like, Mm -hmm. there's something really beautiful about finding that, that core of humanity of what we should be inside a visitor, like someone who's alien to us. Yeah. Or Superman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate expression of the, of the the best of humanity, the yeah. best yes, the best of America is Superman, right? No, I love that you guys went into this. This was actually my question: is why do we gravitate? Towards oh, what was these? yours, Kenny? Yours? Yeah. Oh, you guys don't want to know. I no, absolutely want to. Know. <laughs> He's gonna go with Mac <laughs> from Mac have, and me. I, I, yes, yes. <laughs> Mac. <please. laughs> oh yes. Um. No, I mean, I E.T. Yeah. I mean, that's – I was 12 years old. I know Brian was my yep. age as well, you know, and it means a lot to Joe. It means a lot to all of us here. Yeah. But E.T. will always be – and what's funny is it's – E.T., he doesn't really have his own personality because he takes on Elliot's mm-hmm. personality really, mm-hmm. you know. Right. We, you know, they're here at the begin- at the opening. They're here in peace. They're just collecting plant samples. So they right. seem like a nice, calm – Race of aliens, Inquisitive. you know. Yeah, just interested in the. Although Kenny, all those other aliens who left him here—that was kind of a jerk move on their part. It was, it was well, a terrible but, move. Yeah, but they couldn't. But they couldn't wait for him. He strayed a little too far, and you know, rather than be exposed, even though technically everyone saw the ship taken off. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, but no, I have ET's definitely on. But again, I, I, I was like Joe because I was like I'm going to go with like the obvious ones because I'm Mister Obvious and <laughs> there's you know. But then I was like, no, I can't. I have to go with something. Pick something unusual. Right. So I mean, I, I wrote down uh, ET uh, Ahsoka Tano because she's my oh, favorite. Yes. I love her. Right, right, right. Uh, the Borg, of my course, favorite yeah. species in Star yeah. Trek. Uh, Tank Denise because I'm a huge Alienation fan. Oh, and, okay. You know. There uh, and then Superman as well. Superman, you know, yeah. He is an alien. Uh, Alf. Yeah. I grew up in the eighties. Ice killed Alf. me. What about Mork? <laughs> you didn't mention oh, Mork. Very good. Yeah, Mork. Right. Mork for Mork. That's right. Another one. Right. But he was more human esque yes. you know, than than alien. Yes, he was alien as well. And then Thermians. Because I just really liked Galaxy Quest. Oh, the yeah. Thermians. Yeah. Yes. Thermians yeah. is great. Oh, so that was, that was my list. I don't, I, it would have to be E.T. And I hate to say that because everyone else kind of chose E.T. But I mean, when it's right, it's right. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, th- I'm looking for the perfect picture or art design of E.T. Because I want a tattoo it on me. Oh, I, I want great. that to be my next tattoo. Because I loved it so much and it shaped my childhood. I was 12, mm-hmm. you know, when it came out. I started a fan club in my neighborhood. I had, mm. you know, all the neighbor kids. I made fan club cards and we had meetings. <laughs> and my dad would take all of us to the theater to go watch it. <sighs> I saw it like 12 or 13 times in the theater. Oh my Did gosh. you have milk carts? Did you have so, milk crates on your bicycle when you rode around the neighborhood? Oh, yes, I did. I, stra- <laughs> I, I strapped them on. Yep. I did. I was hardcore E.T. fan. Mm. Julie and I found our E.T. shrinky dinks on Back Through the Basement. Shrinky dinks? Oh, I, I, oh I had shrinky dinks as well. Yeah. I don't know where they're at now. I don't have them still, but I do remember having those. Yeah. I think, though, with this, with our group, this geeky group, though, I think another thing that really resonated with us in our, you know, subconscious was they started the movie playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so, I mean, yeah, they tied, and, and, a, you know, our culture yeah. in there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, you know, plus, like I said, Elliot's 11 to 12 years old. So yeah. he's he is he was my age at the time. You know, I saw I saw Goonies when I was 15, 14, 15. <laughs> Same with Brian because Brian's yep. only a few yeah. months younger than me. So, I mean, we were those ideal ages and there's just something magical about seeing yourself or seeing, you know, they're nerdy as well. Like mm-hmm. you right. said, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. I've never saw that on TV before or in a movie. Yeah. But I played it. I remember I did all <laughs> pen and paper. Elliot you know, had that's... the guys that you've been posting on your Kenny's collection on Instagram. He had those action <laughs> figures. Yes. Oh, yeah. The Star Wars <laughs> you ones. Know? Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. kissed a girl. So I was like, yeah, this, this is good. 
<laughs> he pitched yeah. a Baywatch babe when she was seven. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. It is that girl. It was Erica right. Laniac. That's right. Oh, oh wow. Erica oh, it's been a long time I didn't since I've seen that movie. That. I mean, to see it again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like her. She's talented. Yeah. Yeah. She's so she is. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a euphemism. The, that, that Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> that, that was fantastic. Actually, she was good in that. <laughs> so yeah. So my, another question would be, I think Joe kind of touched on it as well. You know, obviously it's human beings who are writing these aliens. They're coming out of our imagination. So we make them with more human characteristics, um, which is – I never even thought about they want – you know, we look for the good of humanity in them, which is interesting because they're not human and they're aliens. But why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you uh, – anyone can answer this. Uh, uh, Kenny, I think, that, I think that when it comes to aliens, again, I think there's two branches to it. There's one where we do project – the humanity or the best in humans. But then there's also, I would say, the bizarre, unique, and extremely interesting. So when we were growing up, I remember in like famous monsters of Filmland magazine seeing mm. a book titled Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials. <laughs> and it was almost like a zoological book of species on another planet. And that was, yeah. I mean, it, it was all like, I guess, all the, the fauna, you know, just almost like Avatar, Pandora. I'm surprised someone hadn't mentioned all the alien right. species from that. So I do think that when we look at aliens, it is the bizarre, the fantastic, the unique. But then when we look at the, the like you said, when we look at an alien that we interact with, you know, not mm -hmm. the, the, I don't even remember, the horses or the dragons, you know, and, and yeah. an Avatar. When you talk face to face with the Supermans, the Morks, the Alps, the whoever's, we do want to see that. We want to relate. And I think it's, I think it's, gosh, this is going to get a little deep here. I think it's our human limitations that we try to define aliens in our human understanding. Yeah. yeah. Just replace yeah. aliens with God. Like that's, that's yeah. just, we are always trying to like understand something deeper about ourselves or, you know, find, find, and we use those things as avatars to get to it. And I think sci-fi is, and I'm not saying anything new that you haven't, Already, but sci-fi is at its best when it's tackling problems that we have in the real world. Like, you know, to take it to the, the comic book extreme, you know, that the, the X-Men and how they represent, you know, gays or minorities. And mm -hmm. we're telling that story through these characters. And that's that's what I love about sci-fi. And that's what I love about some of these alien creatures that we have in movies that we're able to use them as this for lack of a better term, like it's kind of like this PowerPoint presentation where we're trying to teach ourselves like, so this is a problem and this is, you know, yeah. maybe a window to look into it and see how can we solve this? How can we tackle this? Very introspective. I, I love that the origins of aliens and sci-fi come from such a, a good place. Yeah. <laughs> such yeah. a wholesome episode. Such a, of, such a of human, a human place. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, I think also they are often through some means, and probably Yoda would be the most directly on the nose version of this. They're in some means a teacher, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? So you take Yoda, the ultimate teacher. And I mean, I, I've taught for the lion's share of my adult life. And I can't tell you how many times I've told my students just something as simple as, Try not, do or do not, there is no try. I've quoted him a million times. Mm -hmm. Because some of these messages, Superman's message, uh, uh, the selflessness of Spock, the peaceful nature of E.T. and Yoda, they're mm -hmm. all teaching us these aspects of ourselves. So not only might the genre or the story tackle something primordial, or important, like the X-Men parallel that you talked about. But they also just kind of reminding us how we're supposed to be. Yeah. Mm. And that's the power of the sci-fi pen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And then some of these movies that we're going to talk about or have talked about, they fall more into the horror genre. So they don't quite do the same job that Joe's talking about. Mm. Um, you know, as you take some something like Alien, the, the first one, Ridley's Alien, that really is a horror movie. Yes, it's it not is. doing yeah. what Joe's talking mm -hmm. about. Um, yeah, to the to the extent that it could, if it were, uh, you know, painted with a different brush, I think yeah. uh, Alien Resurrection would get closest to that. But 
Yeah, I, I think that they are uh, massive literary tools. Yeah. And I don't know when the it would, it would be interesting to me when the first alien story was told. I don't know that fact. Uh, I was look. I, I tried to look that up um, earlier, and hmm. like Jules Verne, they had right. mentioned you know first men in the moon, right? Uh, a trip to the to moon, things like that. Right. Um, and that was interesting. I was going to ask that question. Do you think that the alien stories are different when we go to their planet versus them coming to our planet? Oh, so you're talking like like John Carter of Mars when John Carter goes exactly. To Mars, he's the alien. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's really that. Good. Yeah, that is cool. I didn't think about that. Yeah, we're definitely aliens to them. <laughs> Interesting. But are the stories different? I mean, I think you can. Again, it's a it's a story conduit. To, they can tell a different type of story from you know a, a kind of like a fish out of water type of story. Yeah, uh, having mm-hmm. you know a human go to an alien world and see how different it is. Yeah, I think that, I you think know. you're right. That's when, you know, like uh, Robinson Crusoe on Mars or mm. John Carter or Flash Gordon, things like yeah. that. It's more of the adventure. It's us striking out as opposed to feeling some sort of invasion, mm. maybe getting yeah. defensive, if you will. Yeah. You know, that's funny. That makes me think, and this has nothing to do with aliens, but to a lesser degree, it reminds me of I Am Legend. Uh, the book, not not so much the movie, where you know the world has kind of been ravaged with this disease, and everyone's kind of turned into these weird like vampires. And you've got like the last man who's trying to like cure this thing, and he's killing vampires. And like you find out, like the whole thing, that whole I am legend title comes from these people telling the story about this man who's become the boogeyman in their society because they are the next evolution. They're the mm-hmm. next, they are humans now and he's running around like the boogeyman killing everybody. And it's kind of interesting because they do end up flipping that script. I would like, I don't think I've seen too many things involving like aliens uh, or space exploration that kind of tackles things from that, that perspective. Yeah. But I, I sure would love to. That would be interesting to hear what aliens think of human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, lately I'm not sure they'd be very impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'd first have to be able to get to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Well, that's yes. that's the appeal. I, you know, I remember reading a little bit about writers on Star Trek kind of bemoaning the um, the the very well documented Gene Roddenberry directive that we had worked out our problems and that the problems that the story writers should be facing should be external, not internal, that the, even the crew should not really have conflict. And mm. so many writers down through since 66 have bemoaned that directive, but I get why it was there because the vision, the unyielding, awesome vision he created was that we had worked it out. That we yeah. were ready to be part of a galactic community, mm-hmm. not just a terrestrial one. Yeah, and it's that's the that's the heartbreak to me of uh, of series or sh- movies or things where we we are interacting, you know, in a story with aliens because we're not ready. We're just mm. not ready to enter that yeah. community. Um, yeah, I, I love. I love my country and I love my planet, but <laughs> yeah. if I'm being honest, nope. <laughs> we need a couple more centuries to cook. Exactly. Humans as a species, we still have a few things to work out, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a few. Just a couple. <laughs> so, <laughs> But that's what makes watching these stories so wonderful. Yeah. To mm. dream about the day when we've got it, got our act together enough that we can we can do these things and and have these adventures and have these connections and broaden the species and broaden the family to one that's galactic yeah and then the other thing too is just sitting with the thought you know who knows if they've visited us yet but sitting with the thought of how vast the universe is and how small we are in mm-hmm. it even planetarily yeah. Yeah. and then to say there's got to be one. There's, there's got to be, be more. Yeah, there's got to be more. There's got to be millions. And what are they going to be? Are they going to be anything like anything we wrote? 
Or are yes. they going to be something we couldn't even conceive? Or they just imagine. look like us, just a bunch yeah. of bums like us. Right. <laughs> so, and, and this may be a tangent, and Kenny cut me off if this is, is not appropriate here, but in the Star Wars galaxy, you know, after one of my, you know, multiple rewatches, mm-hmm. I noticed that they never address different size planets or different gravities or different atmospheres. It seems mm-hmm. as though everything is human size, you know, our size, you know, minus some Jawas and, and Yoda and you got some tall, you know, Chewbacca or Wookiee. But do you think that if we go to other solar systems, galaxies, wherever, we might be, you know, the ant size compared to the human, you know, mm. or will scale come into play? I mean, we can only imagine, but I mean, I don't even know if they're going to be corporeal, let alone yeah, able to communicate yeah. and, you know, they could be just gas. Well, they could be something we don't even know. Mm-hmm. We could be looking at them now and not realize, <laughs> and not realize they are, they're aliens, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, so it's, yeah, it's scale is, is definitely not touched upon too, too much. I think, uh, the day the earth stood t- still might've dealt with it. Um, Yeah. A little bit. And there's, there's a few. I mean, like John Carter did address how, you know, since Mars is slightly smaller, he can jump. And jump he, higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah for gravity. Stuff. Yeah. They did kind yeah. of address it with that one. But but again, like. Yeah. A lot of the Star Wars worlds are definitely Earth normal Earth gravity. Yeah. 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 And I think that's out of convenience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know? I mean, they have. I mean, we there are aquatic worlds in, you yeah. know, Camino well, is an Camino. aquatic world. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They do. They do have uh, Mon Cal- Calamari is an aquatic world. You're right. So they do have water worlds out there. You know. So there are, but not in the original. The original was mm-hmm. out of convenience for it production. They're going to film on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're going to make them all human and you know human looking. Right. Same thing with like Star Trek. I mean. Right. You know, one species to the other. All they have is a, a different bridge nose. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. And that makes them completely different species. But they did address that in an episode of Star Trek. Yes, that one of my was, favorites. Oh, I me too. That. The chase. Uh, yeah, where one species they seeded countless yeah. uh, universes or yeah. countless planets, and that's why they all look similar. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a, a question, Kenny. With aliens, humanoid aliens, you know, a lot. And, we, and Joe, you had mentioned it when we create aliens we project ourselves into the you know the best of humanity or or whatever Mm -hmm. when it comes to a non-humanoid alien for example the blob you know Mm -hmm. he came in a meteorite do you think that we as humans are naturally going to react differently just because it doesn't have the same you know anthropomorphic dimensions as us yeah yes oh, yeah of course if talking realistically we can't even get over when someone's a different color than we color, are yeah. right <laughs> right I mean, yeah one of I the wish major we could get reasons over that. why we're not ready get, i was about to say getting back to tom's point this is why we're not ready yet yes yeah so i had yeah. a thought just kind of talking about aliens and i think one of the things that i loved and it's, I, I can't believe i didn't mention it earlier the movie stargate Yes, and oh, how it explores really that, like our beginnings, actually kind of come from right. this alien race right. that had like these folks on this other planet. Like they set up different uh-huh. slave planets, mm-hmm. and ours was one of them. And we just happened to succeed in an uprising. Right, but uh, but I think that was really interesting for for you know kind of a a popcorn action sci fi movie. It created yeah. some cool questions that then led to a really great TV show. Yeah, yeah. Now. Didn't that show start on Showtime and then moved over to like sci-fi or something? That's correct. Uh, well, yes. I can't remember if it was Showtime, but it it started on uh, a channel that permitted um, well, there's nudity in the in the, yeah. uh, the you know a much more visceral storytelling. You know, it was coming off the movie, and uh, it did get greenlit on a on a channel that had more freedom of expression. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's uh, I think the swearing in the first one and. When I bought the series, I had I'm a big fan of the film. So yes. When I bought the series, yeah. I uh, I was really excited, and I was like, "Oh wow, where the hell did this air?" And then I looked into it, and I think you're right. Yeah, it was yeah. such yeah. a good show, such a fun show. the 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 way they expanded on that whole lore was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did something similar with Jupiter's uh, Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, which I know right. most people dislike, but I loved it. Where and, uh, where Prometheus. they they were mm-hmm. yeah, and Prometheus, where they're seeding the Earth just as harvesting. Right. For you know, they're harvesting humans. That was in um, 
Oh, help me out. Signs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So those are, guess, again, yeah. the, the scary aliens. <laughs> Tom yes. He's like, I got it on yeah. the shelf. <laughs> and everything we've talked about today. Uh, yeah. So, so who, what would you say would be the scariest alien? Ooh. Would it be a xenomorph? Um, I, I think a xenomorph is up there. I, um, there was a Natalie Portman movie that came out several years ago called Annihilation. Annihilation. Yes. And it was like, it's so funny because I saw this movie. I'm sitting in the theater and like 15 minutes into it, I'm like, this sucks. I'm leaving. But I didn't. And I just stayed with it and stayed. And like I started realizing, I'm like, oh, no, this is this is the way sci-fi is supposed to be. They're building the world. They're right. they're slowly like planting the seeds. And I'm actually having to do the work and follow what's happening. It's a pretty polarizing movie. A lot of people I know don't like it. And then just as many people do. But the alien in that, when Natalie Portman at the very end kind of comes face to face with this alien and it's like mimicking her movements because it's going to take her place. And like, that's terrifying yeah. Like yeah. to know like this thing is going to erase you and try to like survive and live its own life in your place. Like there's this, it's almost like there's something about alien movies and like killer scores. And there's a great score in this movie uh, as they're doing this like ballet of death where she's just trying to get away from this thing. And that terrified me that like 30, when did I, how old was I when that came out? 39 terrified in my seat, thinking about it as I'm driving home. I'm like, yeah. this is scary as hell. So I'd have to go with that. Yeah. That's funny. You brought that up because I was thinking body snatchers. Yes. Yeah. And, and along the those lines, body snatchers, and Kenny, it's the same exact were, thing. I don't know if you remember when there was a movie invaders from Mars. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Where, and actually there was a remake of it more recently, but yeah. Any of these movies where the people we know, end up not being the people we know Pod people. that scares yes. the living daylight <laughs> i think yeah i think for me the scariest aliens are the yeah the possessing the infecting the yeah. nesting mm-hmm. oh yeah gestating stuff <laughs> that type of sh- is like pardon my you can beat me that <laughs> type of stuff is Wow, you know. Well, Spider Man um, said it in um, Endgame. I think it was Endgame when he said, "Hey, if anything comes popping out of my stomach, please kill me." <laughs> right. right. Yeah, that type of um, even just like uh, you know, my sister jokes about it a lot. Her, I think I traumatized her. We watched Wrath of Khan, and she just couldn't handle that mm. seti eel going into Chekhov's oh, ear. Oh, you know, yeah. that yeah. stuff is. Mm. Frightenings. Even um, what's that sequence in the Matrix where they he's got the little almost electronic silverfish that goes in his body? Oh, that goes. Those things. I just they always have to go through the eye. I'm like, why do you have to go through an eye? Yeah, why is it? Yeah, exactly. Why? Don't go through an eye. Purposefully torturing us, Kenny. I don't. I don't like that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things moving under skin. You know. (laughs) No. Mm -mm. Uh, No. Yeah. No, sir. Yeah. Don't handle it. So what would be the most alien alien? I want to go with what Tom was saying. I think if we encounter something that, let's just say, is outside of our vision, you know, because our eyes are developed, you know, if it's outside of our our developed vision or hearing Mm -hmm. or our senses, if there's something there that can contact or communicate to us, yet we can't necessarily understand it, I think that would... That would be the yeah. most alien alien, yeah. you know, something incorporate incorporeal. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, so like my kids, <laughs> like yeah. they try to talk to me and I don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Gen Z. That's <laughs> yeah. What is it? Um, uh, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus and kids are from somewhere else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Any more discussion? I think we're good. I would like real quick the Star Wars, yeah. um, and I'm specifically Mandalorian. Yeah, I think that they've done a really good job. You know, actually, they had some like in Attack of the Clones when they were uh, fighting the three monsters in the arena. I think yeah. that they started to branch out to some other bigger the crate dragon that we saw. Mm, you know, yeah. the, I, I think seeing these other larger alien life forms is actually pretty neat. And I think because the back to the film technology that our our uh, motion picture technologies sure. are so much better than our 
and I'm a, a huge fan of stop motion. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love the original King Kong, but mm-hmm. it nowadays, actually my daughters, you know, when they were growing up, they asked me, daddy, are dinosaurs real? And I said, what mm-hmm. do you mean? You know, they lived a long time ago. They said, no, you know, I saw them on Jurassic Park. You know, can we go to a zoo and see them? And I was like, oh, wow. That goes to show you how convincing our, our films have become. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that that goes back to something we had addressed earlier where the the technology allows us to tell even grander stories. Mm-hmm. To hopefully bring us back to what these very simplistically deal with, which is how we can be the best humans and get the humanity out of us. So yeah. aliens are a great, a great opportunity for us to explore ourselves yeah yeah they're great yeah they're great use for storytelling yeah and the technology just keeps getting better as you said i mean we go from the crate dragon in, in the recent mandalorian you go back to empire strikes back and what is more than likely a hand puppet for <laughs> an the, oven mitt <laughs> yeah the oven mitt worm <laughs> you know that's the best they could do although that sequence is i love that sequence absolutely yeah yeah all right so are they aliens or are they robots? Crow and Tom Servo from MST3K. Ooh, good question. <laughs> why can't they be the? Why can't they be both? Oh, they absolutely so can. Well, it doesn't have to be robots. mutually exclusive. I, I guess. I guess the question would: Would you define alien technology different than alien life form? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say for the most terrifying, I was maybe thinking about something like um, uh, Brainiac. You know, which is mm. an extraterrestrial computer program, virusy type of yeah. villain. Yeah. You know, that type of thing's terrifying. Yeah. When I asked for aliens, I meant not from Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything that was not yeah. born, created, came from Earth is alien to us. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what so, would data be? Data's not data, from Earth, yet the result of a human's of work. A human experiment. Yeah. You know. Yes. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't think he's an alien, though. I wouldn't consider him an I alien. Think, well, he's extraterrestrial. He, he was not born I was about on to Earth. say, like, I, I... But he comes from Earth. I mean, once humans leave Earth and populate other planets... <laughs> True. Then but, but at that, that point, definition needs to expand. At that point, though, are we considered terrestrial? If we're living in a spaceship in the middle of the universe, it, and there yeah. is no terrestrial... Well, we would be terrestrial in origin. Yeah. You know, yes. in, in yeah. ancestry. They'll eventually be non-terrestrial human births yeah and civilizations yes. yeah that I'd blows like my mind think thinking if, about i think we have a while to go before that yeah <laughs> but think thinking about how long it takes for us to get to i guess the nearest star is what like 200 years or something mm-hmm. or 200 light years i guess so yeah so there could right. be people who live – actually, there could be generations that would live in a spaceship before they actually yeah. get On the to way. Yes. a planet yeah. It'd be a generational ship. Yeah, yep. that's the only way that we can make it to it. Well, with our current technology, right? Or the way we can travel, you know, once we invent warp, then right? Fine. Or, or yeah. once or the, light speed. Uh, yeah, once we can get the uh, shifters from Dune to get us to the, the travelers. <laughs> yeah. Warp, warp space. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Or the Iconians just throw a doorway yeah. in your backyard. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. Have we right, really got a whole, I think whole new subject really here? I think we really geeked the episode. <laughs> I was about to say, this is the best part of geek discussion where suddenly we just go wheels off and we're like, what about? <laughs> now we're talking about geek travel or uh, <laughs> alien traveling. So let's talk about alien travel. The Stargate. <laughs> That's true. We have covered a lot of alien travel here. Yeah. We have. Yeah. 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 The well, they kind of go in hand know. in hand. So. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I really appreciate it. This was a fun discussion. It went a lot more, a lot longer in places I didn't expect, which is always a pleasure and fun. So I want to promote you guys. So let's go ahead and Joe, tell people what you're working on because I know you have a lot of projects. Oh man. Well, um, I just ended a eight year project. My editing bay podcast, uh, has finally come to a close. You ended, you stopped it. Yeah. We finally stopped doing it. Uh, it's, you know, being, being a dad and being a husband and telling my wife, like, sorry, we got to watch Samurai Cop this week so we could do the podcast. (laughs) It was making things a little tough. Also, I've been trying to work on my writing and I haven't been, 
I haven't been sticking to it as much yeah. because I've been like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie for the podcast. And then yeah. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole of other stuff on Netflix. And so it's been messing with my focus. So yeah. I've had to kind of put that aside. Well, I'm glad I fill the spot now. You I'm going yes, to make you, I'm, I'm making you replace your old podcast with my podcast. <laughs> so thank you. Now I'm over here. Now, it, was, it was funny <laughs> because I had told them, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I just guessed it on a couple of these. And uh, my podcasting partner, Joel, was like, oh, great. So you're leaving us. And I was like, <laughs> no. Uh, well, you know, just some yes. people aren't sick of hearing me talk yet. <laughs> uh, but no, that being said, we have started doing um, – we originally like back in the day, we had a network of like eight different shows. And then as people kind of came and went, like it went down to just the one. And we just restarted our video game podcast, rebranded it, uh, the 16-Bit Gladiators. I'm not on every week, but uh, I'm, I'm on most of the time where we talk about video games. And, you know, we, we kind of start off with a jumping point of like, you know, oh, Rage Quit or two-player games. And then the conversation, kind of like our geek conversation, just kind of goes wherever it's going to go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you could check that out every week. Uh, you could follow me on Twitch, uh, Next Wave Joe. And, and that's it. I'm, right now I'm working on a, uh, a pirate musical. <laughs> so nice. It's it's weird. It's a weird uh, experience trying to write something <laughs> like that. But yeah, uh, it's it's turning out pretty good so far. I've done a couple of uh, uh, workshop readings of the first two acts, and they've turned out pretty well. Uh, working on cool. those and just trying to get it finished up. Yeah, I have this, all the social medias on my on this in the show notes. So you have all this information will be in show notes, so you don't need to write this down. But uh, how about you, Brian? Do you have anything to? Promote? Yeah, so I'm I'm a little unique here because I just uh, finished a 27-year uh, career in the army. So I am yep. basically congratulations plus, and thank you. Thank you for thank your you. service. Thank yes. you. No, I tell you, it was uh, I loved it. And I'm not looking for another career. I'm looking to do what I wanted to do when I was 13 years old and, and explore. Is? So uh, nice. so thank you for letting me get onto the podcast. I'll probably delve a little bit more into this. I'll probably embrace my inner geek a little bit more with the sci-fi, the video games, the, mm-hmm. the other things. Um, my wife and I did actually one of the projects I did and kind of you're familiar with it was uh, as I retired from the military, I wrote a book, a children's Christmas book called One Day Off. And I wrote it about 10 or 15 years ago during a Christmas time when I wasn't able to visit with my girls as much just because wow. of separation with service. But it's about Santa wanting to take i'm sorry about santa's reindeer wanting to take christmas off because they work the whole you know they work 24 hours so they want to take the day off and santa says okay we'll give you we'll give you the day off if you can get someone to replace you so the story is about the reindeer finding other animals to replace them so that they can take a day off (laughs) and then it covers santa's uh crazy adventure on on christmas day delivering yeah. you know the present so that was cool. fun it was a great little experience so i was able to i kick-started it so i was able to get it that way i have not created the website yet however uh, my wife and i just uh formed a small company uh steel hammer llc i'm planning to use that to try and do a little bit of everything from you know selling my book to consulting gigs you know leadership or defense mm-hmm. industry so we're still we're, we're growing but i'm trying to get a little bit more back into where my heart is which is this round table and yeah. uh, our community so yeah i appreciate it again kenny thanks very cool yeah and uh, i'll have his social info or social media info on the on the website so you'll be able to if you want if you're interested in the book he can send yep. you updates just contact him through that so Absolutely. that would be great Cool. Thanks, Kenny. Tom. Well, in keeping with the theme of the episode, I will let the listeners know, the Geek Roundtable listeners know, that you can catch me as various voices in some Star Wars and Star Trek podcasts. So I'll name them real quick. We've got Star Wars Crusade of the Rebellion. I do a cameo as a role in one of those episodes. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic Resurgence. I play numerous recurring characters on that podcast. Starship Excelsior. It was really cool. It gave me a great assignment to create the sound for the voices of an entire alien civilization. So I got a chance to do that across a few episode arc. Star Trek Shadows of Tyranny, I mentioned earlier, I'm the voice of Scotty and Dr. McCoy. And that podcast has kicked into production again. I also did a sound alike to Max Grudenschik as Grand Nagus Rom on Star Trek (laughs) Lost Frontier. So check out all those fun podcasts and um, check out 
back issues of Joe's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You'll always be able to hear that. And the biggest project I have is going back through the basement with Julie on Back Through the Basement podcast. So I hope that you'll listen. There'll be lots of uh, cool, not only sci-fi, but tons of 80s stuff that we go through. And uh, that's Tom in a nutshell. Cool, cool. Thank you guys again. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank My you. Pleasure. Thank so you, Kenny. Log- All right, well, that's going to do it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. As you could hear, we had a great conversation about aliens that went off all kinds of tangents. And it was a really fun conversation. So once again, I want to thank my friends for joining me, Joe, Tom, BJ, and Brian. And of course, I want to thank my amazing listeners for coming back each month and participating in our roundtable. So until next time, guys, take care. That was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Attention, attention. Are you a fan of MASH, one of the most groundbreaking television series in history? Then take a listen to the MASH 4077 podcast, where hosts discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. So come and find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 podcast or online at www.mash4077podcast.com. I'm Tom, sheltering at home in L.A. I'm Julie, sheltering in the home we both grew up in in Boston. And together, we're We're going going back back through through the the basement. basement. Mom and Dad want us to go through (laughs) all of our toys and belongings. I think Mom and Dad are taking advantage of the pandemic. (laughs) What the f*** is that guy? It's called a wuzzle. Mom, So laugh. (laughs) That thing is so (laughs) fucked up. Get emotional. <laughs> I have a fucking mess over here. And discover what we find and what we keep. Which will probably be everything, Jules. <laughs> I know, right? Thank you to Kenny Mintlider and everyone around the Geek Roundtable. Thank you to all their listeners. From us in the basement, we want you to know you are all keeps. Definite keeps. The Geek Roundtable podcast is a geeky fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0, United States license, all rights reserved.